Let's play ball. Look out. Here we go. Here it is. This is going to get ugly here. It is. Uh, welcome back to Skiers on Baseball. This is Schmitty along with Christian Cooper. And today we're going to go up Highway 80, dive into the state's capital, high five Cardiel, swing by the uh, Vespa shop and say, what up, Ricky? And then move <laughs> over to this guy's pool, sit down and talk about why the fuck he likes us inside Reds. This is our guest today, kids. Welcome. Curtis Franklin. <laughs> yes. How you yes. doing? I'm doing good. We got to yeah. start with the obvious, dude. I know. Was I it the big red machine like Johnny Bench? Like, how, how did it start? How are you a Reds fan? I'm just curious. Okay, I, I've told this story, like, at Giants games because I'm wearing a San Francisco hat. I mean, I'm a Reds hat at a San Francisco game. And... They overheard that I told somebody that I, I was born in San Francisco. Like I was born at St. Francis Hospital in 1962. Oh. So, so, and they're going like, well, what the fuck? Why are you, why do you like the Reds? And I go, well, when I was a little kid, it was like, I was like six or seven years old, like 19, late 60s, like 68, 69. And my neighbor had gone to a Giants game and then she brought back a pennant. You know, and it was a Cincinnati Reds pennant, and she gave it to me. I go, oh, this is my team for life, and I have it, and I've never changed. It's been that's the only team that I've ever really obsessed over. And it's ah, been, so it was a pennant. It was just a totally random thing, and I have it. My wife worked for a newspaper, and she was at an event where Sparky Anderson was there, and she got him to sign it. Wow. It was really cool. So I have it in my garage, and it's like. Dude. It was, and then then we got, you know, then later on, a few years later, they became the big red machine. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I got to see them at Candlestick Park. I got to meet like Johnny Bench and stuff. Dude, one of the greatest, right? The yeah. catcher wise, Johnny. Dude, when I was a kid, we had, I had pennants, I collected them and I made a wheel out of them. I put, oh. I had that many and it was just on my wall. It was so sick. Oh, that's rad. <laughs> yeah, that's an that. idea right now. And man. then I, for some reason, I think my grandpa was a Yankees fan. So I was, and I was a Giants fan. So I hated the Dodgers. So oh, yeah. when I was growing up, it was Yankees, Dodgers every year in the World Series. So I became a Yankees fan just because I hated the Dodgers. So oh, yeah. I cut out the Yankees logo and I put it in the very center where they all came together. It was like, dude, I was an artist at like eight years old. I'm like, dude, that's yeah. rad. That's <laughs> yeah. such a rad idea. So, so uh, I was just looking over the roster of the Reds. It's like you guys finally flushed out the last of the former Giants, what we call forever Giants, when uh, Eugenio Suarez left. But oh yeah. I, I don't know if you remember that guy, but when he was on the Giants, mm. he sucked. He Wait. sucked. And then he goes Suarez to Cincinnati. Was on the Giants? Yeah, originally yeah. he was a Giant. And then he oh, went to Cincinnati and he just raked for a couple of years, right? Lots of like, strikeouts. Well, yeah, but lots but, of yeah, home but, runs. Oh, yeah. He had one really, really great year. Yeah. We 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 tend to see that a lot with uh Giants that get flushed and they end up uh going somewhere else and flourishing. We got that clown down in Houston right now. That's uh, talking a lot of shit about the giants and mm, he, he's Mauricio. been playing pretty, pretty good down there at Dubon. So um, yeah, you guys are giants free for the moment, <laughs> but but the reds do the same thing. Like they, you guys got like disco, disco funny. And uh, who you guys get? Casale was a good catcher. I mean, the Giants won when he caught. He was a he was a good backup catcher. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And for some reason, his percentage of winning when he's catching is really high, and I could never really figure it out because he can't do shit at the plate. But just, he's just yeah. a really good catcher. It's just the way it is. It's just some guys they they just have that connection with the pitchers. I think that makes yeah. you know it's like they can't do any wrong behind the plate. They call a good game, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And I stand corrected. Derek Law is with the Reds right now. So, oh yeah, that's right. He's <laughs> he's he's hit or miss. I mean, I've seen him get hit, and I've seen him, I don't know, do okay, but not great. He was know? a mess in SF. He was. He really just. Uh, he was like the hard luck guy. Like he'd just get hit like crazy. All these bloops would fall in, yeah. and then, then he'd oh, throw yeah. a wild pitch and just make it worse. So, yeah, I guess I guess I'm wrong. I guess you do have one. <laughs> you you guys you guys got Johnny Cueto Johnny Baseball from the Reds or I love actually Cueto. 
he's my favorite pitcher like he's maybe so of cool. all time i just yeah, love his vibe he's a little shimmy yeah. and all that I, i'll take that it's like oh yeah it's not overboard like soto it's just like it's a little bit to show you but he's like a classic guy too totally yeah. Well, speak, yes. speaking oh, of Cueto, you know, 2012, I mean, that's got to be a little painful for you, right? The Giants come in I, and... I don't remember that year. That year has been completely erased from my memory. I, <laughs> that hurt. That really hurt. That's hey, like you 2002 don't say for fuck us. San Francisco ever, dude. You know that rule. You oh, can't fucking talk shit on us. It's like... No. That, no. that pitcher had that shit coming, dude. Latos. All of a sudden... Yeah, uh, like he, he got hurt. hurt. What do you write on his bat or on a mid or something? Huh? He, he was right. He was so Latos was writing fuck SF on baseballs and getting oh, signing. Right, and then that when Buster Posey hit the grand slam off him in the final game of that series, <laughs> he hit it off his name on the facing of the second deck. Yeah, yeah. So it was just like poetic justice. And <laughs> oh, the, I didn't know that. The thing is, if Cueto hadn't gotten hurt in that series, there's a good chance the Giants would have got smoked. Right. I just whoever was going to win that series, I think was going to win the World Series that year. Yeah, I kind of felt were. like it, dude. I yeah. watched that. I watched that in, in a hotel room with Jake in uh, Los Angeles, and we're like, "Yeah!" And then I'm like, "Dude, we're in L.A. for this. This yeah. sucks." <laughs> one of the one of the games had a rain delay of like what five hours. Yeah, I sat in the bar all day like trying not to drink too much, waiting for the game to start. Yeah. And it was just like when the game finally got going, I got up and I'm like, all right, I got to hit the head. And I was like, oh, yeah. fuck, I, I drank way too much. And then there was a whole game after that. That was such an amazing series. I mean, I was like, we were up two games to none and we just choked. And I, I just want to add, I get super pissed when I get, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it's like, Dusty Baker, you know, people like, oh, he's a choker. Oh, he could never get it done. And last year, I was like all in. I just wanted to see him get a ring. I couldn't even care if he was coaching yeah. the Yankees or the Dodgers, two teams that I hate. I just love him so much. Uh, I love and Dusty. I, and I know that he's made mistakes or whatever, but I just think that there's a lot of luck that goes into winning a World Series and being able even just to get there. And yeah. I think he got a, a lot of undue criticism. I, I mean, it's, um, I think, but I'm a yeah, total dude. homer, man. He went well, to the same high school Rick Windsor did. Dusty's Del 916, dude. Never forget that. No, I didn't love him. I didn't love him when he, I didn't love him as a kid when he was with the Dodgers. But No, of course not. But I mean, he put in some years like, what's the JT Snow picking up his kid at home oh, play? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Dusty's yeah. sick, dude. When he comes to San Francisco, like as an opposing manager since he was here, he always walks in and he like goes to certain restaurants that he can, has relationships with people and checks in. Like, yeah. he's such a personable guy. Like, he's a good dude. Yeah. Like, I've never heard anybody say bad. He owns a winery in, in West Sac, I guess. Okay. And I'd love to just meet that guy because I just, he's a total hero of mine. Do you, yeah. do you have the MLB app or something? How do you watch the Reds games? Yeah, I got the MLB app. But, you know, it's kind of funny, man. The last three years, I just gave up, and I didn't get it because I was just like, ah, I can't watch that baseball anymore. It was just driving me nuts. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this year, same way. I was like, fuck it. And then um, Father's Day, I'm like, damn, the Reds are starting to look good. So I saw a deal on the MLB app for like $59 for the rest of the season. And I go, sign me up. And it's yeah. been like, it's been entertaining the whole way. That rules. You know, plus I get to see other games. and But so I, you, I don't have time to watch other teams. I'll watch the A's. I'll watch the Giants a little bit. But it's just, it's taxing, man. No, big sure. time. I, I've been like, because uh, Christian and I started doing this. And I didn't realize, but it was just going to amplify my attention to baseball. So, like, I'm going to a lot of games already, but this is the most games I've ever gone to this year. And we just got baseball fever. Like, we're just talking about yeah. it, texting each other every morning. But it's been like, dude, sometimes I go to the game early and, like, try to meet the guys and get an autograph. Like, oh, uh, that's so we rad. just got Kyle Harrison came up. So yesterday I went out and he's, like, the friendliest guy signed like a ball and a couple cards and i'm like this guy could be a hall of famer we don't know like he's he's got all this potential supposedly but anyway at the end of the day you're like dude i just put in like five or six hours in baseball but isn't that awesome 
Like, yeah. you, you feel like a kid. It's weird. And it calms me, dude, in a way that a lot of people probably talk about golf. Like, it just is like you're kind of out there in your own element and you're chilling. Like, you know that you're just chilling for a while. And, of course, the game can drive you nuts. Like, it's really insane to watch certain things that you're like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Everyone sees it. This guy's an idiot. Like, what are you doing? Why did you do it that way? Of course we're going to blow it. Like, duh. For me, it's just so calming overall and like such a habit forming thing where you wake up drink coffee and look at the box scores and oh, kind yeah. of see what's going on all around like who's doing this major injuries like whatever and then like you know these young rookies i really started getting into that in the last year or two where you're like the prospects that are being talked about in triple a i'm starting to get in tune with them because social media is like, dude, you gotta check out this guy in Sacramento, the River Cats, like da da da. And then all of a sudden you're paying attention. You're like, oh, this guy's 10 and three. He's got like 200 strike. Like this guy, whoa, you know? So yeah. it's just been like, like I said, it was like, it went from like a book to like a whole fucking book case, you know? Yeah. It's in this, yeah, the whole minor league thing is like back when I was a kid, they would have a listing in the paper of all the local prospects, like all the local Sacramento people or whatever. And I, I grew up in Auburn. Game up. But it was still like, for me, it was like the connection was in my area. It was always been Northern California. Because yeah. it was like, those are your people. And those are the ones that you support. Even through skateboarding, obviously, it was the same way. So there's that pride of that because you always feel like these are the underdogs or whatever. So you never had any information, you know, like you do now. You would just have these listings every Sunday. But right. now you can just go access the Louisville bats and see who's coming up from the reds or whatever, you know, river cats. It's like, it's overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, it's as deep as you want to dive. Which can cause some really, really (laughs) long nights. Schmitty's down there taking cards, getting them signed by the the visiting team. And then all the guys, all the guys that are playing for the giants, all the young guys that have come up. And for a little while, he was like the good luck charm. He would go down there. He'd get a guy to sign, you know, the first day the guy was up in the majors. And like clockwork, the guy would either have a banner day or he'd hit his first major league home run. Yeah. And, and it was like, I was telling Schmitty, I'm like, dude, get the Giants to hire you to be like the welcome <laughs> wagon for all the young guys when they come in. Because every time you get them to sign something, they do something great on the field that day. Yeah. yeah. That's still rich. So did they see you and go, hey, what's up? Like, are you pretty common down there or what? Yeah, I mean the workers. The workers. Yeah, pretty, they all we have like a like, little crew, so I have like probably like I don't know, maybe up to ten, but at least three. Some of these guys have been doing it for like thirty plus years, and oh yeah, they they recognize every guy from afar. I can recognize every guy from afar that's on the Giants, but these guys have every team. I'm like, how the fuck do you know? all dude, these guys gnarly. dude it's so gnarly and impressive and the cool thing is these guys have been doing it since uh candlestick so they oh, yeah. have they have infinite stories and i just eat them up almost like skateboarding where you're just like dude tell me about candlestick days like i was at candlestick but i never thought about like waiting for a player and getting an autograph back then but these yeah. guys were doing it in the parking lot all the all over down at the dugout all that stuff and like back then of course it was much easier to talk to people and less security and all that stuff yeah so the stories they have are just really cool it just seemed like as a kid and going to candlestick and seeing like the giants and the reds and even just not the reds just the giants or whatever it was like mythical. Like, yeah. I mean, as you get older, obviously everything looks a little bit smaller, but as a kid and you're like, holy shit, that's like Pete Rose or, or that's even Johnny LaMaster, dude, Johnny yeah. disaster, Johnny you know, disaster. but it was like, it's still, it's a big deal. And you walk in and you see the field and the green, I still get the same feeling. Yeah. I get oh, goosebumps yeah. every single time, especially yeah. the first game of a new season. Yeah. I get kind of choked up sometimes, you know, you're just like, oh, you love it so much because it brings you back to being a kid. It's weird. Exactly. Yeah. And candlestick, especially like you'd come up out of the dark and candlestick was massive. (laughs) So you'd come up out of the dark and then all of a sudden you'd get a glimpse of the grass. And then as you came out from underneath the mezzanine above you, you're just like, 
holy shit. It's like being in church, right? Yeah, totally. And just insane. Yeah, Candlestick back then was just incredible. I, I went to so many games all through the 70s and the 80s, and the Giants were terrible. They were <laughs> awful. Yeah. But, it, but it didn't matter. You know, you went, you screamed and yelled, you lost your voice, you know. I went with my uncles a lot and they'd just get shit face drunk and they'd just be, you know, looking to start fights and all kinds of shit. It was, it was <laughs> great, man. I was just a kid. I just ate it up. I remember so. seeing going to giants games where there were like the John Dodgers giants games. People did full brawls going down, oh. the, rolling down the aisles. And I'm like a little kid going like, what the hell? It was gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the bleachers. Cause in those days, the bleachers was an open ticket. Oh, you just was... buy a ticket and you could sit anywhere you wanted, first come, first serve. Yep. So, like, gangs or crews would get together, and by the halfway through the game, a lot of alcohol, and dudes are fucking going at each other. It was insane. Out dude, there. The, the bleacher section was like general population in prison, dude. It was just Kinda. like... And the ball would come over and people would jump the fence down there and scramble. Like, that was sick. There was that open area past the fence for a while where it would just go in and you can just jump down there. (laughs) And then they they had artificial turf for a few years, I think. Uh I remember seeing pictures of that. Right. And then you walk in there and you get blasted by cold air. Just the wind would just, and hot dog wrappers swirling and just going out of the stadium. Yeah. Dude, I, I got a question for you because I've been thinking about this. Uh, no disrespect, but Joe Morgan, right? He was a red, fucking super good red. He came to the Giants. That must have been sick for you to see, like, a guy was, that maybe. Yeah. But here's the thing. As he goes out, he's one of the key guys that was keeping Barry Bonds out of the Hall of Fame, and that just put a sour taste in my mouth. I Okay. I'm okay. I, I am not a Bonds fan like at all, but I'm not, I just don't, you know, the whole steroid thing. I didn't really like McGuire. I don't like Canseco. Sammy Sosa, at least I think seems a little more chill about that. That's just the way that some of those dudes have carried themselves later on. Just, I don't know. leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And um, I, you know, Barry Bonds, man was ass. And he would definitely, have been a hall of famer regardless but i'm i just the whole steroids thing we are resilient we always say that bonds never fucking pissed dirty he never failed the test and here's the main thing for me that's very kind of simplified he is the all-time home run leader mlb says he is the all-time home run leader there's no asterisk there's no taking him out of the situation whatever if the MLB has a Hall of Fame, wouldn't their all-time home run leader be in it? Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, gonna... if who 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 runs the Hall of Fame? Because shouldn't the same people run it that are MLB and Hall of Fame? It's like, dude, if you're gonna fucking like not let him in there, then maybe you should. I don't want him to take it away, but I'm just saying, like, it should be consistent. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how that whole thing works. It's like a sports writers, I believe. It's the writers, yeah. Yeah, it, you can you can kind of fall back on the Pete Rose argument too a little bit, and there's a bunch of sides to it. But yeah, Pete Rose obviously lifetime banned from baseball for gambling, uh, betting on his own team. But nobody can ever say that Pete Rose bet on his team to lose and threw a game, right? Yeah, like he didn't influence outcomes to make money. Yeah, And so it's like, it's a gray area, but the league says now it's a, it's a hard line and he's out. And they, and then with the, these writers who never played the game are going to sit there and say that bonds doesn't deserve to be in the hall. When in his era, at least 75% of the guys in the league were juiced. Yeah. I mean, Paul LaDuca wrote a book about it and he said, every single guy on the Dodgers was just completely like gassed up with every kind of, you know, horse muscle building, fucking steroid there is and so yeah. you have to kind of take that into account and so then they they have that new like what is it the modern era hall or something the modern game hall but it's like it's kind of a slap in the face to bonds he, like like greg said he never pissed dirty and to me that's kind of like that's the dividing line man it's like yeah everybody was doing it and guys got caught and then to see you know alex rodriguez who tested dirty three times got suspended what two seasons 
yeah. uh, and the guys out there on on Fox or whatever making millions of dollars and sitting there flossing, and everybody treats him like he's the king. And it's like he was way worse. And he was an asshole. Yeah, well, again, he's in, right? Uh, no, he's not. He'll never be in. A Rod's okay. not even going to get on the ballot because, okay. obviously, dude, he got nailed. Yeah, I mean, if they can, if they can do with accuracy, and I'm fine with this, is just like if they can prove for a fact that these guys were doing that stuff, I'm totally okay with them not really being in the Hall of Fame because, honestly, to me, it's just like skateboarding. It's like I got my favorite skaters that aren't going to ever be in the skateboard Hall of Fame. You know, they're just your friends or whatever that you're just, oh, my God, the times with that guy is the best. It won't be in the Hall of Fame. And I think that there's like a personal Hall of Fame for baseball, too. Like, but those some of those guys that aren't in were some of the greatest, you know, and Bonds is definitely one of the greatest. Yep. But I, yeah. I don't know. I just I, I'm a little more hard line on that, I think, you know, and I know yeah. a lot of the older dudes like Henry Aaron and and Joe Morgan and some of those guys are a little, they're irritated by it and I get it, but also those guys were taking like speed and stuff or whatever. So Dude, yeah, I heard the, the pirate guy that took acid. I mean, that's forever. That story that is, is so good. I would just put him in the hall of fame just for that. For throwing like, a no hitter on acid. Right. And not, and not for nothing. Let's compare it to skateboarding for a second. Like these dudes, especially Barry Bonds, like his dad's Bobby Bonds, his, godfather's willie mays this dude was born into fucking baseball and he lived his whole life baseball just like a skater that finds skateboarding and drops out of school and gives everything to skateboarding yeah. and then gets slapped in the face at the end where he's got nothing but skateboarding same thing with baseball it's like dude if they if they fucking found him guilty that's one thing you know put him behind bars whatever you're gonna do but they didn't. For me, the Giants were in a position where they were about to move to Florida. And they oh, yeah, got Barry right. Bonds and they got a new stadium and San Francisco blew the fuck up. This whole area that I live in now didn't exist. And yeah. it wouldn't exist without Barry. Barry yeah. made so many people come to the game. They never won the World Series. But Barry was the attraction, much like a Shohei Otani, where it's like, we just got to see this guy. And how many times in the ninth inning, that motherfucker sent me home stoked because he had a home <laughs> run to win the game. It's like that will never be unappreciated by me. And as a baseball fan, that's baseball. So to me, it's super obvious. I know I'm a San Franciscan and he was a San Franciscan, but to me, it's like, that guy needs to be in the Hall of Fame. It did salt me that Joe Morgan, an ex-player, I just felt it was weird. Like, I'm like, man, you're like kind of an ambassador and you're like on ESPN Game of the Weeks. Yeah. It's like him and Miller together. And I'm sure Miller would say he thinks uh, Barry should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It was just kind of weird. Like, did he, did he like get together with your girl or something? Like, what happened? I don't know. I mean... I don't know what Joe Joe's like my favorite baseball player. Him and Johnny Bench yeah. are my two all-time favorites. And Joe oh, Morgan, cool. when we were kids, we used to do the whole, you know, arm flap and try to yeah. copy yeah. him, you know. But yeah, you know, Joe Morgan's Oakland guy. Hey, and Joe Morgan knocked the Dodgers out of the playoffs oh, at Candlestick yes, he... with a home run, and I'll never yeah. forget that. He's got the uh, Brian Johnson, you know, there's certain guys that like – they did one thing, but it was really important. And they're for those are the guys that are forever giants. Yeah, no, totally. So let's let's talk about the Reds for a minute, uh, dude. The half game out of the wild card and hanging in there. I mean, what big do you what series. do you think, Curtis? It's like this is okay. a big one. The Giants are a game and a half out. They're, they've been you know taking on water for two months. Yeah, and the Reds. Reds have, Reds have seemed kind of bobbing up and down a little more than sinking. So, get, give us your thoughts on it, man. As a Reds fan, I got serious PTSD of just like being let down every single year. And this year, it looked really good. And then after the All Star game, that was that's kind of when the good teams really start to take off. And they just haven't. They're not even five hundred, you know after the all-star game. So it's really difficult to like get my hopes up. But as I watched them, 
I'm looking at him more for the future. Like, this is a cool year. It'd be great to see him get to the playoffs. I just don't think they're set up for it yet, you know, but it's kind just of- these rookies, man. They're just – they had an entire infield of rookies going, like, the last couple games. And it's – I love it. It's so fun to watch. But it's also super frustrating because they make rookie mistakes and they're not disciplined at the plate like a vet would be. But I think next year that's going to be a, a whole different ball game, man. I feel yeah. the same way for the Giants. Um, the thing that I don't like is the Giants are playing these guys less now. And it's like, dude, play them all the time because next yeah. year there'll be experience. Yeah, but, totally. but here, here's our wild card race, right? We got Philadelphia at the top chicago second arizona third there's three spots then cincinnati is a half game behind arizona and san francisco one and a half game back what i'm thinking looking at those three teams the chances are philadelphia to me is going to be in there they're one of the three for sure i don't know if i'm sold on chicago finishing strong and i'm not sure about arizona finishing strong i think one of those teams that are in the three now will not be in the three at the end and i don't know if it'll be giants or reds that will replace them but i do believe one of those two teams will be in the top three with philadelphia and one either chicago or arizona what what do you think chicago like Reds have struggled against them in Milwaukee. Milwaukee's uh, just good, dude. Their their fucking pitching is insane. Yep. And Chicago just got hot, man. They're just they were playing suit. I don't know what they're doing now, but the Reds have a, at least one four game series with them coming up at home, and it's going to be rough. Just the Cubs are just playing freaking good, and they had they dismantled their team two I know, years that's ago. What's, that's yeah. dude. And look at that. Reds can't fucking rebuild. It takes them 15, 20 years to rebuild a team, you know. But Chicago, man, they got rid of some big players but yeah. got really good prospects for them, and they're just super smart. Yeah, look know? what they did in the offseason, too. They made a lot of moves that were, like, a little below radar, like a Bellinger, like we're not mm-hmm. sure what he's going to do because he was struggling in L.A., I think the goat is still going to curse him. I don't think Cubs are making it. (laughs) I love that story, dude. When I went to Wrigley, we went to that bar and and we talked to the owner that he, his grandpa was the guy and all about the goat and that whole thing. It was just, I was like, dude, this is Oh, the Billy Goat Tavern? Yeah. I got a hat somewhere here. My wife went. Back yeah, in the day. it's like under under a ground yeah. a little. Yeah, yeah. yeah I never it, been. It's really cool. Yeah, she, yeah. The Cubs, man, that's rough. Cubs, Indians, never been. Mariners Oof. look really good. They never been. Angels, I think the Angels have been to the World Series once. They won I it think. in two thousand two. They beat the Giants. Oh yeah. shit, that's right. Yeah. Wait. Rally monkey, Dusty Dusty Baker, dude. This is the one thing I. I I still, you know, what we're, we're 21 years down the road. I still can't forgive Dusty for pulling the pitcher in game six. Was I saw you shake He pulled Russ Ortiz. He handed him the game ball and they flashed to the Angels dugout and you saw all the dudes in the Angels dugout on the rail and you could just see the bonfire start instantly. Like they were like, there is no fucking way Dusty just handed that dude the game ball and let him walk off with a four run lead. Like, this is not happening. We are going to punish them for that. And they fucking did. Yeah. He pulled the Ortiz out and it just turned into a shit show. They won game six to tie the series. And then game seven wasn't even a contest. The Angels just blew him out. Dusty just got the weird quick trigger finger and it just backfired yeah. in a horrible I know day. a lot of Giants fans just never forgave him for that. I got <laughs> friends that still... <laughs> I saw you shaking your head earlier when I mentioned that. You were just going... <laughs> Hey, uh, tell us about this rookie phenom, Ellie De La Cruz, because uh, he, came, he came up, not, he wasn't here at the beginning of the season, right? No, he wasn't. They brought him up like around like in early June, I think, or mid-June. So you know, do, you think, and- do you think if if he started the year and played the way he's playing, he would be a contender for rookie of the year? It seems like Corbin's probably going to get it. Corbin's going to get it, yeah. Yeah. But do you think the, the, is he comparable to Corbin, like in a full season, head to head? 
Oh, I think when Ellie really like gets gets good at like picking his pitches and learning how to hit an off speed pitch, it's going to be crazy. Like it, it, he's really he's got defensive skills. His arm is insane. Yeah, probably he could probably be a fucking pitcher. Like he throws so freaking hard, and he's so young, and he's yeah. got that enthusiasm, and and he's having fun, dude. He's like always smiling, and it's That's just important. good for it's it's great for baseball. It's so good. Yeah, you he know? reminds me of O'Neill Cruz, but a better version, maybe. I think he could be like they talked about him coming up. Like he was going to be like a, a once in generation kind of player. And it's even if he gets traded later on because the Reds just can't afford him or whatever when his contract's up, it doesn't yeah. matter to me. I just, I, I just would even be stoked whatever team he was on, as long as it wasn't the Dodgers or the Yankees. Right. You know? Yeah. They should, they should try to keep him. I mean, I was watching the the Arizona feed last night of that game, and he came up, I think, in the tenth or the eleventh inning, and they said, "Well, here he is. He's zero for three, but that doesn't mean anything because he's one of the scariest players in the Reds lineup." And this is the Arizona yeah. guy saying that, and I'm like, yeah. "Yeah, he could put a hurting on you right now." He didn't really do anything, but yeah, no. I I think I I'm with you. I think his plate discipline. Um, needs work. He's really young, and it's just that's one of those things that it's just reps, repetition, daily yeah. routine, getting enough playing time, and just sticking with the guy. Which I think in San Francisco, unfortunately, that sometimes they just want to like they don't want to stick with a guy, and it's like we're pretty much in rebuild mode at this point. So like, yeah. Casey Schmidt should be in there every day. Elliot Ramos should be in there every day. Yeah, guys that they need the plate appearances to get used to major league pitching, right? And I yeah. think. De La Cruz is probably right in that same boat. It's like he hasn't seen enough dudes yet. It doesn't matter how many times you watch a guy throw a pitch on an iPad. It's not like standing up there and facing. No, right? No, it's yeah. But Ellie's like a a really. You can look at this guy and just know he has the potential and all the skills to play this game the way that. For me, a guy that can turn a walk into a triple, I want that dude on my team. Dude, he changes. Look what pitchers. The, the, all, when he gets on first base, the pitchers, they're off. Yeah. He just he yeah. throws the whole thing off because Dude, they know it's so he can fun steal. to watch speed. He'll score from first base. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I, love, I want that kind of player so bad. It's the D Gordon effect, right? Like the the greatest, totally. greatest bike thief of all time, D Gordon. Like, he's, but this dude, dude has power. No, no, I'm just saying in terms of being a base runner. Like yeah, yeah, D Gordon yeah. would get on base, and every single pitcher that was throwing when he was on base was just completely flustered because the guy's dancing around. He's probably talking <laughs> shit. He's, yeah. he's he's like making moves over there, and it's like the pitcher can't even focus on his job, which is to fucking go after the guy at the plate because he's worried about this little midget at first base who's running around, and it's just like. Yeah. You know, De La Cruz is like, he's got that same game, you know, it's just, he's, he's super fast and he's over there. And once he gets on, you're like, well, shit, I'm going to give up another 90 feet. Most likely yeah, know, it's a foregone and conclusion. You see those pitchers, man. And they like rush their deliveries. Well, number one, you got a, a clock now, right. but they're also want to get that ball to the catcher as soon as possible. Yeah. It's amazing. But the other dude for the Reds is McLean. And I, I, he's, He'll be a, he'll probably be like number two for the rookie of the year, just under the radar, hitting like two ninety or whatever. Super, super consistent. Like he's really, really good. What about Hunter Green, the pitcher? He had a rough one the last couple of games because he just got off of the IL. He hurt his hip, uh. and he just got shelled. You know, he he started out okay the other night for three innings, and then. It just kind of fell apart, but I think he'll be good. He seems but, like he gets a lot of notoriety. He's like yeah. a young up and comer that they got a lot of potential, right? Throws hard, yeah. But you know, I, I don't know what it's like for like the fan bases or whatever. I mean, the fan base, Cincinnati Reds fan base, are some of the most stupid people <laughs> I have ever read in my life. Like you're reading these posts on Facebook. Oh yeah, you and gotta these stay out of that Midwest hicks that are just kind of like almost like sublime racist about certain players and you know and it and it's maddening 
it's so maddening to read this and oh they won today and everyone's quiet oh they lose today david bell needs to get fired send yeah. ellie back down hunter green is a thrower not a pitcher and yeah. you're like dude these are pitchers those dudes up there that are at the fucking top level are not throwers they are pitchers dude and they've got pitches and it's so much more than they realize they're well, just dude, idiots i'm sorry i know and the whole thing i mean it's the the morning fucking radio jocks are are the same way where they're just bandwagon with this like oh they lost three in a row fuck them and they win one game okay like they're you know and <laughs> maybe we're guilty of it too a little it does play with your emotions obviously but uh it's just crazy like you know it's 162 games yeah don't bring the technology add into the fucking game you know like it's just the, the pitch clock is like, I, I kind of like that it speeds up the pace of games. The, my problem with it is they're going to have it in the playoffs. And some of the greatest baseball moments in the postseason ever oh, yeah. is when a pitcher is staring down a oh, batter yeah. and there's all this, there's all this psychic shit going on. There's, there's runners on base, like the whole, like the mental game is just gnarly. And there's yeah. like those times where a guy steps off like three times, he throws over to first, like five times. None of that's happening anymore. Um, yeah. So the drama, I think, in the in the playoffs is going to be maybe lowered a, a little bit. It's still going to be the game. It's still going to be exciting and fun and everything else. I just feel like there's certain things like they don't have the ghost runner in the postseason, which is great. Good yeah. Lord, I hate that. Like That's softball, the worst dude. one for yeah. sure. That's the worst. I hate it. You know who I like for the Giants right now, dude, is Bailey. That dude's so uh, badass. He's kind you, of... The He's kind of like maybe one of the best catchers in baseball, at least defensively. The catcher for me is the centerpiece of a baseball team. It's like the drummer, for, the drummer for a band. There is no such thing as a great band with like an average or shitty drummer. And like, I think that teams that win a world series, you're not going to, you can't get by with like a average or sub average catcher, or maybe you got a platoon two guys to make up for that difference. Right. But like, that's why Posey, dude, he was the center of that team. Like, uh, dude, for sure. that was it. You take him out of the equation and their first year without him, look what happened. And it's like it's like the Cardinals and they lost. Um, Molina? Yeah, Molina. Yeah, so th this is their first year without him and they're in last place. And I think it leaves such a hole. Yep. Yeah, meanwhile, their top prospect, Joey Bart, still up in Sacto eating tacos with Joe Sierra, <laughs> man. <laughs> I just saw Joe. I just saw Joe a couple weeks ago, man. <laughs> I love that dude. He was oh, think yeah, on good. Think when I worked for Think, so I do him good. Yeah, Joe rules. I love that dude. Well, let's talk about skateboarding a little bit. Um, I didn't know you were born in Auburn and stuff, but like, when did skateboarding come into your your life? Well, I was born in San Francisco. A bunch of you grew up in Auburn. Yeah. Then we moved. I was like, I lived there for like, you know, a year or whatever. And then my parents moved to Canoga Park. My brother was born there. And then we moved to Auburn. And that was like in the mid 60s or whatever. And I just grew up, you know, I grew up in Auburn. That's till I was like 20, what, 22 or whatever. And then I moved to San Diego to go to school. And oh, I got okay. To so I got to skate like Del Mar a lot at the end right. and, and then moved up to Sacramento to go to Sac State. And then I had known Ricky and Sam and those guys from skating ramps that we had up in Meadow Vista uh -huh. um, and just kind of reconnected with everybody, you know, but it was like in Auburn, like there was nobody, dude. I was like, there was no one before us that skated. So there was no, I didn't have a reference for it. Right. There was just some kid in my neighborhood had a black night skateboard. I know it sounds so cliche, but it was a black night skateboard with the clay wheels and the, and the neighborhood shared it. So like everybody oh, okay. had to share one board and I would take it at night and I would hide it in the bushes. Yeah. And so nobody could find it. So the next day I had first dibs on the board <laughs> and, would, and I would never give it up. And I would just like, this is mine. Right. And then, one day I was at a friend's house and some guy from LA or whatever comes up and he had this board with like, with like urethane wheels. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like you can kick turn without falling or sliding. 
or it was that was it that just changed everything Damn, it just that's... came out of that yeah so so when you were a kid like skateboard palace carmichael Sierra oh, hell Wave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. did you ever get to the park in twain heart wait what there was a park in twain heart no way you know that little the little miniature golf course there in twain heart yeah yeah there was a that's... skate park right behind it no in the 70s way yeah i think i i would when, when we used to be on concrete disciples way back dude i think i told you about i used to spend like you know a couple of weeks in citrus heights every summer when i was a kid oh yeah 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 so i remember like, that i i know you went to all those places i mean for sure sierra wave and and skateboard, oh, yeah. palace, skateboard palace was nuts man asbestos just gnarly that's the first time i saw rick blackheart in the tunnel team and i was just like holy shit i'm just on flat ground experience then i see these weird divots and bowls and it was just it was too much i i couldn't like i couldn't figure out how they were doing what they were doing yeah i've tried to explain that place to people a million times and i've never seen any good like sort of overview photos of it to explain like the whole layout of it but i i mean i went there a bunch of times when i was a little kid so i i remember it like it was yesterday and the whole layout of that place was fucking nuts dude Oh. Yeah, it had a hole in the center, had a like a slanted freestyle area in the in the front, and they had these two bowls in the corners that had tile but no coping. No coping, yeah. And then they may have added some later on. Then it closed, and they all the pinball machines were left there. And that's I never skated it after it closed, but that's where Ricky and Sam kind of like became friends. And oh. Rick was saying, "Oh man, we go in there, and the pinball machines were like." all there like it was you just snuck in the back and it, that was going on for like so cool yeah, yeah for a little that, bit. that place was nuts and i remember it being painted too like where oh, was, there were places where the paint was like super slippery and oh, so you're breathing that stuff yeah where they had like Man. the weird little like that like you said like That's there was so a weird much. little hole bowl in the middle and then they had this sort of like snake run thing that came down on one side and it was like if you got too close to the top of the lip, you just slipped out because the yeah. paint was gnarly. And I, but dude, it was rad. Like I'd go there in the summer, and it and it was like super cheap. I think it was like a buck to skate there all day or something. Dude, I, my first day—it's so funny. I wish I had a picture of this. My first day at a skate park ever. Like you have to wear safety equipment, so I just had like you know volleyball pads on my knees and elbows, and I had my mom's gardening gloves and my dad's <laughs> construction helmet. With the fucking Naga hide chin strap that he made on his yes. And I'm just like, hey, what's going on? You know, like, <laughs> hey. And I'm like, I am so out of my element. Like, who is this kid? It was like so crazy. My dad's name was on the front of the helmet. Like, oh, wow, with those little dude. punch things, you know, Jerry yeah. Franklin. Like, right. I was. Hey, it's always been DIY. Totally. Yeah. I didn't know any different. Speaking of that, dude, give us the origin story of your pool. Um, shit, man. You know what? It's like I've always, I just always, well, it's the second pool I ever built. So when I was a kid, like I came from a background of like, I had to work every weekend. There's, I mean, my dad was just very task oriented and we built an addition on the house. We went through three pools. Like we built like a, an, um, um, a stand-up pool a couple times and that leaked and we took it down and my dad's like we're gonna build a pool owner builder we're gonna do this and so we had to we built the whole thing and hired a company to come in and shoot oh, it wow. and and he worked for a construction company and i got to see the whole process how it was built uh-huh. and then then i'd see like you know way later on like chicken did one and um um i can't remember Belmar. Uh, yeah, Be- yeah, Belmar Kelly's. So I was like, oh, this is doable. I, I can do this. And so I we moved to this house. And I go, we got to have something with some room in the back. And then um, I want to build something. And then so we were going down to Border Town and helping out once in a while. Because I had known Josh before that. Right. And then that's how I met Tony and Aubrey and Albino and wizard and all those dudes you know and i go hey man this is what i got going on what do you guys think and they're like yeah let's do it you know but it's like no one had ever built a swimming pool what year was that like 2004 or something my son's 20 he was like probably two i'd say like 18 years ago 
2005-ish, yeah. Okay. You know, and we just did an owner-builder thing and just chipped away at it, and yeah. And then you got water in the summer because it's hot as shit, and then you drain it in the winter? Yeah, I haven't drained it in a while. I drained it this year because we remodeled it, but I was just, and I this is weird, but it's like back when we did it, it was still a small thing. Like it was still like you guys would come up and it would be cool and people could skate and it wouldn't be too much. And I think gradually I just got, I was over it. Like it became so many people that my friends would come in from out of town and then you'd like want them to ride and they couldn't because there's Mm. too many people and I wasn't good at saying no. And I was like, fuck it, dude, let's just call it a day. And then when I empty it, I'll empty it and then we'll do another session. And we did that last year, you know, Keep it was it just a downer. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and I just don't, I'm not good at regulating things, man. It's just, you yeah. know, it's just hard because skateboarding's so fucking huge, man. Yeah. It's overwhelming. I mean, we had a ramp in our backyard for a long time and it's a mini ramp. So that is available for way more people because a lot of people can't skate pools you know pools are tough yeah a a mini ramp is like one day i come home and bob schmelzer's on the ramp on roller skates and we just heckled the shit out of him like dude what the fuck are you doing like you don't even call and you show up and you're on roller skates like bro you know like you you just have so many misfits but you're at the same time you're like I don't want to be a fucking hypocrite. I've been that dude. I climbed fences and skated shit my whole life. So it's like, it's a weird one, right? It's like, you don't want to be that kooky, like ramp owner. That's like the power tripper, but you also want to have some respect at the same time. There's a fine line. Cause I'd open three times a week or whatever. And then, you know, it's just my body. I'm I'm 60 years old, so I'll be 61 in November, and my body just started to slow down. I couldn't react, (laughs) and I I couldn't get out of stuff. Like that was the whole thing about tricks was you can get into it, but can you get out? And I started not being able to get out and took some a fucking beating. Uh So I kind of got into other things. Like I I fish a lot. Like it's my and I have an obsession with it. So. I, I can go to the American and go fish, but I can still go skate. I can skate, go fish, hang out with my family and do it all in one, in one day. So I can feed all these things that I like doing, you know? What's, what's your favorite? Are you a salmon fisher? You go, go lure or bait or I, what? I'm a fit. I'm, I'm way into fly fishing right now. Like wow. a spay oh, that's tough. Like two handed spay rods. They're like these really long, scottish style for like big water so they're like 12 foot rods and you can just huck them you just you know over your shoulder and boom and they just go and striper salmon are the big ones steelhead's huge i love that's my favorite fish and then lake pyramid up in reno up up in um they've got lahatan cutthroat which are just it's a world-class fishery and this year I finally got into a bunch of fish and it was like learning experience. You know, it's a whole different vibe up there. Right when the first rains come, uh, the sturgeon come into the bay. And one year I caught a sturgeon and I retired. I was like, I've never got one. Prehistorical five footer. You know, uh, what's his name? Fuck it. The guy that works, work, Josh, uh, shipping, uh, Hambone. Hambone, yeah, and he had yeah. a fish thing going, and he, yeah. dude, he was into this crazy like secret society drinking. I forget what it was called, but like, oh, dude. yeah, you had to be invited to be in it, and you go to the woods with a Budweiser truck and just drink oh, yeah. all weekend. Like this dude was pro, but uh, this dude fished all the time, and he wanted to catch a sturgeon so bad. And one day, McKenny calls me. He's like, "Dude, they're hitting." I come out and I catch one, dude. Josh was so pissed. Yes. He was like, fucker, I've been going out for years. You come out one day to catch one like that. It was, it they're was hard great. to catch. They're hard. Dude, I mean, they're a fight. Yeah. It took me I like an hour to pull it in. I can't sit still. So fishing in a boat for me is difficult. I, I just, uh-huh. I got, you know, whatever. I got ADHD or whatever. Like, yeah. I wait. I mean, I'll walk the American River. I'll go yeah. all day, you know, cool. and it's like, and I just love being out there and I love catching salmon. I, I fish salmon on regular gear, but they, but they close 
the season down this year for everybody commercial just because the numbers are kind of low and there's been some mismanagement of water and fisheries and stuff. And I just hope it comes back, but because there's those mornings when you get out there, like, and it's, you get out there an hour before sunset, I mean, before sunrise and it's, that's legal. And you just come up there and you're in the dark and the sun comes up and you're seeing these guys, Hey, what's up? Dude's got beer, you know, Jeff and it's Collins like, out there oh, in his boat. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, the RC plane. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a whole different ball game. I, I'm a I'm big on stream fishing, trout stuff. You oh, know? awesome! And so out out in Mammoth, like I I like to go. I go like try to hike the really remote streams where you catch yep. the natives and stuff. You know, oh not, yeah, not the stock trout because yeah. the stock trout are just like. You throw it, you throw it in. You got a fish on the line instantly. So yeah, I, I, I don't found like some. That. I found some really bitching kind of. You got to walk for a while and get to these places. Getting there like right before the sun comes up. Big thermos yep. full of coffee. Hike yep. the stream. Yeah, and uh, you like near the Obsidian Dome on the other side of Mammoth Creek. And all oh stuff. hell yeah, dude! Some fantastic. I pulled some fish out of there. It's so beautiful. Never seen trout that looked like that before. And Gold. those are like Browns or Brooks, right? Gold, golden Browns with the big red dots on them. Yeah, and like, oh, yeah, yeah. Some Brook trout. I mean, they're they're not the standard farm fish, right? No, um, because they don't they don't stock Browns or Brooks. No, so the only thing they stock are rainbows. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. The natives and I and I talked to one of the locals up there and I actually shot pictures of some of the ones that I caught and threw back and they were little guys you know I showed pictures to this guy and he's like fuck you never see those you know where did you see this and I'm like Dude, I can't tell you <laughs> Dude, browns are the most beautiful fish like you just hold those things in your hand and you're just like holy shit yeah, amazing it's like, amazing it's like holding fish. a gold brick right it's yeah like, wow, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was up there barbless. And uh, the nice thing about the native trout, too, is that they don't swallow the fucking hook every time like the farm yeah, trout. Yeah, right? you get them in the lip. Yeah, so you get them in the lip and you're barbless and you put a little hole in their lip and they're like, yeah, thanks, for easy, the pier- yeah. Yeah, thanks for the piercing asshole. And then they swim yeah. off and they're giving <laughs> you the fucking middle finger. Right. But, well, uh, this year, since the salmon's closed, um, you can still target um, like striper and steelhead. So... I don't know. I mean, it, it's still ethical, but it's like I, I've never gotten a salmon on a fly rod before on a big fly rod. So this year I'll be targeting mostly like like steelhead and striper. But I mean, if you, you if you get a salmon, you can hook it. You just got to let it go. Yep. So, okay. you know, but it's but it's weird out there, man. You get a lot of people that are super like unethical about how many fish they take and. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's a bummer. I'm curious, like, dude, with the snow we got this year, the snow melt, the rivers must just be jamming right now, right? Dude, you couldn't, you know, they have this fish that comes up called a shad, and they're these small, they're like a miniature tarpon, but they're like these pound for pound, it's the hardest fighting fish, but they're just not very big, but it takes them, they just go. But, you know, you get a small one that's, or a larger one that's a couple pounds, and it's like on and I couldn't even fish. Usually I catch a hundred of those things in the summertime, but I got one this year because the water was so high, you know, and I don't have a boat, but right. dudes and dudes in boats can get to spots when the water's high, but it was also so cold that it just changed everything. But that's yeah. good. We need that. Definitely. You know? Definitely. Well, let's, uh, I got to get going pretty soon. I got to go find Chili Davis and Kevin Mitchell out there. Uh, I'm going to bait you into giving me a prediction. We got a three-game series starting tomorrow. Cincinnati Reds coming into fucking Oracle. What is going to be the series final? I think the Reds are going to win the first game with Abbott, but but he's going against... Kyle um, Harrison. I talked to him yesterday. He's right. And that's, that's the wild card. I don't know, man. If the Giants don't win the series against the Reds, they're not going to make the postseason. That's that's what I'm saying. And it's the same for the Reds. I think that's it. I think that's the one where it's like, man, we're going to pack it in. I'm going to say two games to one, the Reds. All right. Well, then I'll be a sad person on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll fuck us up. And for sure, the Giants are getting swept by Atlanta because they're on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. They've won one game on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball in the last four years. Thwarted by analytics. Here's one thing we know. 
<laughs> the Giants, if they win Monday or Wednesday, they'll win the series because Tuesday is City Connect, and for some reason they, they just, never lose yeah. on City Connect. Brad, before we cut out, I want to tell you one crazy ba- – it's a baseball story, okay? Yeah. So I was with a group of dudes, and we were going to some show or something back in, like, the 80s in San Francisco, and we're driving, and my buddy's wearing, like, a, a Giants hat. And I had just met him and stuff. And we're talking about, go, oh, yeah, I love the Reds, blah, blah, blah. And we're talking about the Giants. And he's like, well, where are you from? And I go, oh, I'm from Auburn. And he's like, oh, do you know Jeff Blauser? And he was a shortstop for the Braves at the time. And we grew up together. We played soccer and baseball and stuff. And he was a couple years younger than me. And I go, yeah, man, Jeff Blauser's my homie, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no way. You don't know Jeff Blauser. I go, yeah, no, we just, it's a small town. Everybody knows each other. Super good dude. His dad, Gary's electrician, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, totally like, yeah, whatever. You know, like he was totally doubting me or whatever. And I swear (laughs) to God, dude, we were in fucking like Vacaville or Fairfield and we're just driving down the freeway. And who is in a fucking car next to us on the freeway? Dude, Jeff Blauser with his girlfriend. And I'm rolling the window down. What's up? hey curtis how you were like going back and forth on the freeway and my buddies all whoa like when whenever i see that guy to this day i'm like dude you're the only person that can validate that that happened because i would be like thinking that's like a dream that i had that that it wasn't real i'm just curious if if you know the distinction we gotta get him on the pod man man i haven't seen that guy in forever he was the first guy that i'd when I was living in San Diego, I'd go down and see the games, and I and he's in the dugout, and I'm going, dude, <laughs> how did this happen? Like, yeah. there's Ozzy Virgil and Dale Murphy, and I'm like, how did this? How, how did you you made the transition from little league to pros? And it was just my brain. It was just weird. Struben grew up with Pat Burrell in Boulder Creek. Oh, no way. Yeah, that's his claim. I mean, he's good friends with Pat Burrell. Like, when Strubing lived here, he would go to games all the time when Burrell was on the Giants. Wow. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. My kid gets to work out at this place called Optimum Athletics, and it's like a pitching program here in Sacramento. And they have all the pro dudes go there. So he gets to work out with, like, Sammy Long. and and Sammy's a really nice guy. My son loves him because my yeah. son's really big. He's like six foot seven. When Giolito was working out there and like uh, Webb was working out there because he's from Rockland. Yeah. And, but you're just around these dudes and they're uh-huh. super supportive. And like he said, it's just the raddest experience, you know, it's, speaking, it's good. Speaking of that, are you into light in the beam? <laughs> okay. Check this out. <laughs> I wish I had a video of it. Okay, so I watch. Okay, I watch the Kings at Rick's house. I go over there every Friday. Uh, He's a huge Kings fan. Him and the brothers Jorge and Robert. Um, we all watch the games, and I wasn't really a big. Every year I'd go, man, fuck the Kings. They're not going to win this year, <laughs> dude. For the last fifteen years, Rick's like, this is the year. This is the year. Fifteen years of this shit. Because I told you they'd do it this year, and I'm like, yeah, broken clocks, right? Twice a day or whatever, yeah. you know. So we had the the beam caught on, and I was like, okay, cool. So I, I made a beam, and I, he Rick has like an like a um a magnetic flashlight that he bought at Harbor Freight, and it goes up. And it's like those swivel lights. Yeah, and it goes up, and we put it on this um. I got like a file cabinet and it's metal next to the TV in his garage. So he's working on cars and we're drinking and talking shit, watching the Kings game. Everyone's freaking out. Rick's (laughs) still working on stuff, you know, because he can't sit still. And so I go, I'm going to make a beam. So I went to the the local like (laughs) porno store and then I was like, hey, I'm looking for some purple rubbers. Like, and they're going, why? I go, I'm going to make this beam. And they're just like, weird. You know, I walk out of this porno store at daylight and who, you know, it would be like somebody I would know see me walking out of like the walking out of the Lamore shop. So I go to Rick's, I go, dude, this is it. So I got two rubbers and I put them <laughs> over the top of it. And so then every time he's like, it was pretty brilliant, actually. So when they'd win, we'd hit the flashlight and it would be like this looking dick looking thing on the file cabinet. 
Yeah, uh, we got, and I got a video. Amazing. I'll send you a video of it somewhere. And Please Rick's do. hands are Rick's hands are like I put it on slow motion. He's all like this, this weird thing, and it's all it's it was pretty oh. fucking awesome. Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. The DIY beam. Hey, well, text me tomorrow because we'll both be out there. Okay. We'll, let's get a high five at I the will. game. And yeah. uh, fuck, dude, thank you so much for doing this. It's no, super thanks stoked. for having me. I love this stuff. I could do this all day. I'm a nerd. Hell yeah. Well, if anyone's out there listening, tell a friend, have them tell a friend. Skaters on Baseball podcast comes out pretty much every week. Cool. We, we, we never know what day, but uh, if you guys put a five-star recommendation in the uh, iTunes thing, yeah. we, will, we will grow like a flower. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I, want, I like growing flowers. Well, hell yeah, man. I'm going to get okay. out there. We got 40-plus giants in town from the past for Murphy. He's getting the plaque on the wall today. Oh, that's today. Yeah, okay. so the the list is insane. It's like Omar Vizquel, uh, Atlee oh, Hamaker, Willie Mays, Barry Bonds, like lots of people. So I'm going to oh, go over right. there and see. I got all my old cards together. I'm going to go fan out. Dude, that's still rad. All right. Well, thanks again, man. Appreciate you. Yep. Yeah, all right. Thanks, appreciate Curtis. good seeing you guys. Yeah, man. Love yeah you guys, too. man. Hell yeah. Take care. Take it Peace. easy. All right. Take it easy, bud. Adios! Thanks for listening to this episode of Skaters on Baseball. If you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Give us a good review or hell, blow us up on your social media if you're down. Follow us at Skates on Base on Instagram for baseball news and other fun stuff. We love comments and listener participation, so bring it with an audio clip or an email. You can email us at skatersonbase at gmail.com. We're everywhere you get your podcasts, and we'll be here all season long.